Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Nonprofit U, a forum where nonprofit stakeholders can share lessons learned and discuss the latest developments in the industry. My name is Valerie Leonard, your host. I'm a consultant to nonprofits and I specialize in community and organizational development. I work with nonprofit organizations to help them make a stronger impact to their clients and communities. You can find Nonprofit U on Facebook and Twitter. I encourage you to follow us and to comment early and often using the hashtags Nonprofit U, CARA Program, and Transformative Work. You can also leave comments on blogtalkradio.com forward slash nonprofit underscore U. The chat room is open, and you can post comments and questions. In order to use the chat room, you must open a listener-only account. You'll find a link to open the account on a page for this episode, and you can also email me questions at consulting at valeriefleonard.com. We'll be taking questions by phone and from our chat room at about the 30-minute mark or so. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Again, that number is 347-884-8121. Today's topic is transforming lives through jobs and social enterprise. We'll talk about the CARA program's training and workforce development programs as well as their social enterprises. And then again, we encourage you to call in with questions at the 30-minute mark. You can start posting in the chat room right now if you'd like to, or you can Email me at consulting at ValerieFlinnard.com. If you want to participate in the live chat, you must open a listener-only account. And the link is found on the episode page right up under the chat box. The call-in number is 347-884-8121. Nonprofit and community development professionals, professionals, I'm sorry, as well as policymakers, especially those who are working in workforce development, you're encouraged to call in and share your stories, share your strategies, as well as your successes. Today's guest is Jesse Terrebaugh, Student and Alumni Affairs with CARA. And as a 15-year CARA veteran, Jesse is a firm believer in the notion that we transform our lives by transforming others. CARA helps men and women affected by poverty and often the interrelated challenges of recovery, domestic violence, episodic homelessness, and incarceration to get and keep good jobs and, more importantly, rebuild hope, self-esteem, and opportunity for themselves and their families in the process. Jesse oversees the learning experience for all CARA candidates, in their journey to employment and in their engagement as alumni as their jobs evolve into careers. Jesse is uniquely qualified for this position, being a graduate of CARA himself, and he's also worked both as a trainer and as a director in CARA's flagship social enterprise, Clean Slate. CARA sees over 1,000 candidates per year, and Jesse's coaching handprint is on nearly every one. So good afternoon, Jesse. Good afternoon. It's a pleasure pleasure to have you as a guest today. And before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about CARA 
and how you came to work for them. In fact, I remember meeting you, oh, my goodness, back in 2005 or 2006, something like that. You mm-hmm. you had your, your team out in the Kenwood, Oakland area. So can you give us an overview and tell us how you came to work with them? Yeah, like you just mentioned in uh, the opening, uh, again, uh, thanks for having me. It's an honor to be on and maybe give out any type of information that uh, – I can maybe break down and make it easier to understand on what services and mm-hmm. what we do provide to the community. Um, but awesome. Carry in, in the layman's terms is a boot camp, a series of boot camps and businesses that get people back to work uh, who have okay. been affected by poverty and homelessness. I know you did read off some of the things uh, that obvious that most people might think of what, that might cause uh, poverty and homelessness, such as um, mm-hmm. domestic violence, uh, incarceration, uh, substance abuse, uh, lack of education. But one of the, the, the myths that we would like to dispel is that, you know, poverty and homelessness does not discriminate. And there are individuals who are coming from a background of uh, higher education and uh, life's experiences mm-hmm. and, and, and good uh, work experience and things like that. But when life gets and decides to throw us a sucker punch and decides to knock the wind out of our sails, uh, it does not discriminate. It crosses all right. racial barriers, uh, religious barriers, uh, gender barriers. It, it does not matter. And so over the years, we've kind of had this faith of what homelessness looks like and a lot of people tend to think, well, it's that person that lives in Lower Wacker. And actually, it's that mm-hmm. person that lives right next door to you. And so that's mm-hmm. that's one of the things that we would like to open up the doors and understanding because sometimes the people will hear about, about CARA and say, oh, well, it must be that organization for those people who have convictions in their background or must be those people who mm-hmm. might have uh, some substance abuse history. Are we uh, that organization? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But we are so much, much mm-hmm. more uh, than just that. Or for anybody who is, uh, who is going through some extensive challenges to employment, uh, to begin to get some employment hope, to get some self-esteem back, and to get back into the game to get your mojo back. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Are you a blues fan by any chance? <laughs> I am, I am. Blues, uh, step, yes. Yeah, when you said mojo, I got to thinking about muddy waters and all those guys. So, how did you come to work for Kara? So, like I just mentioned too, and, I, and how apropos I just kind of introduced that because again, it 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 does not discriminate. I found myself. Um, a little over 15 years ago, uh, I had gone through some life experiences that kind of literally mm-hmm. knocked the wind out of my sails. I mean, it just mm-hmm. knocked me on my butt. Uh, I had worked for Nabisco for 18 years, um, wound mm-hmm. up uh, without that job, uh, home being foreclosed on. And like I mentioned, some mm-hmm. life experiences that I were going through that were really tough for me to get through emotionally, uh, spiritually, mm-hmm. uh financially, all of those things. And I found out that find, found uh, that I had to reinvent myself and uh, was in mm-hmm. on a presentation that Kara had uh, put on. And, and I'm like, wow, it sounds great. And when I happened to come into Kara 
when they were a very small boutique type of uh, organization that operated on, out of the basement of Old St. Pat's Church. Uh, but the idea and the concepts were just starting to formulate about these life skills, these transformative things that human beings need other than just slapping and attaching a job to it. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of this okay. industry, a lot of times you know, people want to want to assist individuals, but it's not so much as helping, it's about empowering. And uh, mm-hmm. you can't just give somebody a job and expect that they can ride off into the sunset and everything uh, can be right. You, you, you can't solve your problems with the same mindset that created them. So if you come in with a set of problems and issues and you don't begin to change the belief system and change the mm-hmm. thinking of a human being, just put them in, them in another uh, environment is not going to do anything. And most times it will either, it can either uh, uh, acerbate or or make the situation even worse. So the idea of transforming and changing one's belief system and the way somebody thinks of how do I get up out of these circumstances and situations uh, that I'm in. And so uh, I I came in and I was like, wow, that's, that's amazing to me. It, It sounded like just what I needed, uh, and mm-hmm. I was I was a hook line and sinker. I, I I drank the Kool Aid and I was hooked. <laughs> and from then on, it was a it was a conspiracy theory on conspiracy on my part to find some kind of way to become a part of this organization. And so I went from student um, to student liaison, and then student liaison to assistant trainer, and then trainer, and so on and so on. Mm-hmm. And now you are Director of Student Affairs, right, and Alumni Affairs, Student and Alumni Affairs? Correct. Okay. Oh, that's amazing. That, that That's really good stuff. So one of the challenges that nonprofit organizations have, especially in this environment, is justifying their existence to donors and then potential donors. You know, they have a difficult time quantifying the outcomes and impact. I had a chance to look at your website and see what Kara has done. You know, you guys do a really, really good job of quantifying the impact, you know, so that folks like me who are into big data, you know, we really get a charge out of looking at at the pretty pictures and the numbers. Absolutely. And I include a handout. I don't know if you have that handout in front of you. There's a link to a handout that talks about your social investment. Would you care to Return on investment? Yes, sir. Yeah, and and you're not alone, Valerie. I'm I'm just like you. Pie charts and numbers and all those kind of things make my eyes roll back in the back of my head as well. Uh, but it's kind of understanding them and so you can kind of articulate that to those funders and those people who believe in the same kind of things that you're wanting to accomplish as well. And uh, mm-hmm. uh, it, it's basically to return on investment, you know, so for every dollar that somebody contributes or to our organization, there's a, almost a $6 return to society. And part of uh, how we look at that and where we get that number is uh, we kind of take all the incomes of all the individual participants who are contributing to society's income taxes through Social Security and and what we're avoiding, what social uh, 
social gain is then so we take away from what they are not now taking away from food stamps or public assistance mm-hmm. and all of those kinds. So that's kind of where we get the numbers that's on that sheet that you have. But in the in the basic mm-hmm. uh, purest form, for every dollar that's invested, um, our our students, our participants, for every dollar invested, it's a six dollar return on society. Wow, wow. And for for those who are listening and, you know, don't have access to the handout, I promise you I'm not going to read every number. Um, You can get the link and look at this. But, you know, I I just think it's astounding that in just one year, this past year, $6.2 million in social impact. That means, what, you guys, got about a million dollars into the program, a little bit over a million, and you were able to generate from that one million just for the workforce development program. Over six point two million. Yeah. Yeah, and again, just to reiterate and make that that, that number kind of reach out and, and what that actually means. So that's what what now students are paying into income taxes now, what they're paying into mm-hmm. Social Security now is what they're not bringing in, uh, withdrawing from the system through uh, food mm-hmm. stamps or public assistance and things like that. So that's that's where that number, that bottom line comes from. And, to, and just to give people, I, I guess, a, a greater appreciation, I, I remember when I was running – a small nonprofit, we were patting ourselves on the back if we were able to get four-to-one leverage. You know, we're really doing something. But you guys are getting nearly six-to-one. So so that is really huge, and, and I really, really appreciate your taking the time to, you know, to talk about this. And, you know, and I, I thought it was important that we share that because so many people at the grassroots level, you know, we talk about, things like the number of people we serve, but we kind of leave it at that. You know, the the conversation has gone beyond, you know, the number of people served to, you know, so what have you done for me lately? How is this actually a return on my dollar? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I just really appreciate that. I would also add okay. in there, too, that there's probably a portion of there for recidivism as well. For those individuals mm-hmm. that might, because of uh, 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 poverty and, and uh, lack of employment, are, are not being incarcerated and, and not being a burden on the system as well. So all of those things uh, kind of play play a, a toll into that number. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then, you know, the second handout that really jumped out and grabbed me was your service delivery model. You know, it, it looks to me like you go beyond, you know, traditional case management. This looks very, very comprehensive. And, again, for those of you who are listening and if you have access to the episode page, if you go to the comment section, there is a link to the service delivery model. And if you can't catch up, you know, you, you, know, you can catch us later. Um, the link will be there, you know, even when we're off. But yeah, I just wanted Jesse to you know, give us a sense for what your model is, the, the, the Kara way of doing things with respect to holistic workforce development and social innovation. Yeah. Right. 
so I know just looking at it, it could kind of be daunting and uh, overwhelming, but uh, mm-hmm. once you get to understand and know it, 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 it does truly make sense. And it's, it's kind of come about kind of organically. Uh, we, we did not begin this way some 26 years ago. A lot of the practices mm-hmm. and things that uh, we are going by uh, today are, are through trial and error and what we have found out uh, the needs of human beings that we usually tailor our services uh, toward uh, human being needs and the changes that happen uh, throughout throughout the years uh, of life. And so if you look at mm-hmm. it, um, it's, it's somebody might look from left to right that it's kind of a linear kind of thing, like through recruitment, a student goes in and then they just come out on the other side through placement, retention, and career mm-hmm. advancement. Uh, life is not that simple. Human beings are not that simple. <laughs> We're not linear. We don't just go in a certain track. When you kind of maybe came into this world, you had the idea that you were going to go a certain way, but you got into this thing, this wheel, which is that center called life, and things begin to happen. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, care is not a cookie-cutter type of uh, program that one fits all. And so as understanding that over the years, how do we design an uh, enterprise that uh, is inclusive as, as opposed to exclusive and, and keeping people out. And so part of this wheel is once you go in through recruitment, we have these four entities. We have our classic model that we've been going since, uh, since the beginning of, of CARA. We also have CARA workshops uh, because everybody does not fit this classic model. Everybody's schedule does not fit that they can attend classes uh, through our classic model from 8.30 to 5 every day. And so we do have uh, workshops where people can get this uh, uh, social and emotional training through workshops. Then we also have, through our social enterprises, uh, Clean Slate and CARA Connects, our uh, temp agency, where we can provide uh, experiential type of learning through transitional jobs. So once you mm-hmm. enter recruitment and you have been uh, screened and decided which one of these uh, portals are best fitted for your needs at that time, that's when you begin the training and coaching uh, model mm-hmm. and the leadership development that all students that enter that inner circle receive. And from being in that inner circle, you then, through competency, competencies, whether they be workplace competencies like time management, conflict management, team building, communication, and professionalism, <clears throat> that is how you gauge to get in our placement pool. That's how you gauge mm-hmm. to get earned the right to be sent out to our employment partners and then get placed uh, into our employment partners. And then from there, you have we have our retention services that it's not just as important that you get that job, but now – how do we support you <clears throat> so we can sustain that job and stay on that job for at least a year? That's part of one of our agreements to our employment partners and to our students as well. It's not just that we'll get a job, but we will, part of graduating from CARA, uh, quote, unquote, is that you remain on that job for a year. And that's where those retention mm-hmm. services come in to, in, in oh, to bear. That is excellent. So let me back up. You mentioned that you had gone through the program, and you mentioned, too, that um, for you there, there were a number of needs that you felt that you had, you know, some of which were spiritual and, and um, emotional. Where does that 
come into play in this model? Do you guys refer out um, to different agencies who might be able to help people with that, you know, with those kinds of needs? And, you know, as you said, not everybody has the same need. So, actually, we do have a, uh, again, this is how kind of have grown organically over the years. We do have a, a resource mm-hmm. a development manager, so an individual that might have some other needs that if not, uh, if they don't get a grip on those needs, that they, there's no way possible they can be successful on a job. So, again, someone mm-hmm. who might, might have a substance abuse issue uh, that needs to be addressed. You know, we have resources to treatment, outpatient treatments, and we reach mm-hmm. out to those type of things. People who uh, don't have uh, stabilized housing, whether it be shelters or, or things of that nature. Uh, so anything that you can think of that po- possibly can keep you from not only being successful while in in care, uh, but while being on a job, we provide those types of resources mm-hmm. by using outside sources. We let people who are experts at what they do do what we do what they do. We mm-hmm. know what our wheelhouse is, and we know what we are good good at uh, social emotional mm-hmm. learning and training and coaching and, and placements and things like that. So uh, part of those other things, we, we, we tap into those resources. People who need a, a GED, uh, um, and we have GED classes, but we have other people, other resources that that come in and we tap, tap into and we partner with to provide those type of services. We partner with uh, mm-hmm. Cabrini Green Legal Services, so they provide services to some of the students who are looking to get some of their uh, cases to find out if they're expungeable, to get those uh, expunged and things like that. So we use a, a mm-hmm. plethora of, 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 uh, of uh, resources and referral sources uh, to provide services to students so they just don't they don't fit into the expertise that we provide. Mm-hmm. And it definitely sounds very different. And one of the <clears throat> other differences that I notice is you have, you know, created a couple of social enterprises, and I'm not talking about you personally, but, you know, you as in Kara. Can mm-hmm. you, first of all, before we go into it, can you let us know what a social enterprise is? Sure. Well, a social, again, I, uh, my, my hopes and my purpose is to break mm-hmm. some of these kind of terminologies down to someone who mm-hmm. might not otherwise know it. I mean, again, into it's layman's terms. So the, the purest mm-hmm. way I can kind of explain it to maybe some of the listeners is uh, social enterprise is basically a business. It's a business mm-hmm. and it's made, it's, it's geared to make money and to be successful, but it is geared toward a social mission or a social uh, vision that it has. And so mm-hmm. it's not a for-profit business. It's a non-for-profit, which means all the funds that it generates, it goes back into the business to provide more and more services and uh, support for that mission that it serves. Um, so, mm-hmm. again, our, our social enterprise is our own companies that we have created that will continue to fund our mission our, our our beliefs and our goals to be able to provide services mm-hmm. to our students. Otherwise, we would have to depend on a lot of government money, grants, uh, and philanthropy, mm-hmm. which we do a large part of, philanthropy and, and, and donations and things like that. But as you know, that once you start taking a lot of government money and, and, and running your business on grants and things like that, 
those can be cut off at any moment. And so if that's the bottom line or when you're getting all of your financial uh, assistance or your financial uh, support through grants and government money and, and going under the, the auspices or the rules of what the government deems to be fit, uh, it's, it's not a very sound uh, way to do business. So uh, social mm-hmm. enterprises, again, are, are, they're good businesses, but they're geared to fit the social uh, needs of whatever that mission is that your organization is, is driving for. Okay, in our cases, in our cases, ours is to alleviate poverty and homelessness. Uh, so mm-hmm. that's why, that's how we've established uh, the businesses that we have. One is Clean Slate, and the other one is uh, Care Connects, which is our staffing agency. Okay, great. And those to me seem like natural extensions of, of what you guys are doing, anyway. Okay, so what drove Kara's decision to actually start social enterprises? Well, actually, uh, a need. It, it was a need. Mm-hmm. And uh, early on, uh, a lot of challenges came from individuals who, for example, we'll just use an example, who might have had convictions in their background. All right, so mm-hmm. there weren't a lot of companies who are conviction friendly. And so, if you find a company that are willing to take an individual with that type of uh, challenge or obstacle, it's fine, but they're one-offs. And it was hard to, to, to place a large group of people who had those type of needs by just uh, picking away at it, one company here and one company there. We're not we're really not making a dent in poverty or, or, or homelessness, you know, and, you know, it looks good on paper because you hired somebody, but in the real big scheme of things, it really wasn't mm-hmm. making much of a dent. And so we, um, back in 2005, when we uh, uh, came up with the idea, which we got it from a gentleman from uh, Goldman Sachs who offered one of their top executives to come and do a, a fellowship for a year to help us establish and create a, a social enterprise. And the idea and the concept was, instead of going out begging for people to hire up people, how about we start our own business? How about we become our mm-hmm. own employers, and as this business grows, we then hire our own. We create mm-hmm. a vacuum where people can come in and get transitional training, and then from the way the business grows, we start hiring as it grows. They're going to need managers and supervisors and front office and back office type of uh, uh, positions to be filled. And so that was the idea uh, initially of how um, that this social enterprise can impact and, and provide more of a vacuum and more of a support and a resource to individuals that came into our program that had that type of background. Same thing, it's not just a criminal background. It's just some people who have never had a high school diploma or mm-hmm. people who never had a, have never had a job before. So how do you get them experience mm-hmm. to get them on a job and get them prepared and then being able to, when they do get a job and place them on a job, have, had, have something to draw from so they'll have that experience and that knowledge. And so that's, that was the idea of a clean slate initially, uh, and it, mm-hmm. it's grown. It's, a, so far, it's far, far exceeded our expectations. Yes, indeed. Okay, yeah, I want to remind our listening audience that you're listening to Nonprofit You, and we're
We're sitting with Jesse Taverblog. Jesse is the Director of Student and Alumni Affairs at CARA. And we will open the lines up now to take questions. And if you don't want to call in, you can also post in the chat room. In order to post in the chat room, just click on to the link and you can open a listener-only account very quickly. And if you want to call, the call-in number is 347-884-8121. And if you happen to be in front of the computer and the episode page is on, in case you forget, the number is also on the episode page. Alrighty, so again, uh, when you and I met years ago, I can remember, I, I believe you were training, it, you know, it looked like you were taking people through some boot camp exercises. Well, but, actually, um, when, when, actually, when you and I met, uh, I had left uh, the training department from CARE, and we had this idea of this, you know, clean slate. Uh, again, it was mm-hmm. just an idea. But the idea was how do we build this business on the uh, backbone of uh, the concept of what we were teaching in the classroom. And so because I came from the CARA uh, training department, uh, and not not to mention that I was a former student and gone through those kind of things and and in some cases helped uh, develop some of the curriculum and things, how do we take some of those concepts from the classroom, some of that theory, Mm -hmm. and then apply them everyday work experiences. And so part of that is, was uh, not only just now then starting getting that business up and running, but again, early on, how do we start developing mm-hmm. this uh, uh, experiential type of learning from on, mm-hmm. on the job, transitional job training. And so, yes, we had uh, contracts with uh, different uh, business districts to, for litter abatement and other uh, uh, mm-hmm. services that we then started providing. But now, how do you uh, break down the day's activities and, and get get the students or the interns to kind of understand what we did wrong, what we did right for the day, and kind of build mm-hmm. on those skills as well? And so when we met, I was uh, actually it was our second crew. We started on 79th Street in Auburn Gresham, and our second mm-hmm. contract was uh, in the quiet communities. Oh, okay. So, yeah, if I remember correctly, my memory is fuzzy. I- I've had quite a few birthdays since we, we met, but if I remember correctly, um, you guys had a contract, um, I guess, with the the business district there to do, you know, cleaning, you know, make sure the commercial strips Absolutely. were um, kept clean, right. Right. and you guys yes. had to compete with other businesses, right, for those well, contracts. I- well, actually, uh, it, that that happened a little later on. Uh, we were kind of okay. in on the ground floor when that came in. wasn't very much competition, and which is a good thing. But I think since we had started, there are a lot of other agencies and things who said, "Wow, that's some, that's a great idea." And so other establishments and other organizations kind of came on board and started. Uh, uh, mm-hmm. providing similar services, I will say. Uh, I don't think any of them mm-hmm. lead up to the uh, expertise or the professional level <laughs> that Clean Slate provides, uh, but I can be biased. Yeah, unbiased uh, but, uh, <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, but uh, at the beginning, uh, there, there wasn't very much uh, uh, there wasn't very much competition in that arena uh, in a social 
uh, enterprise type of idea. There were some uh, mm-hmm. some contractors and things like that of people who were doing it, but uh, uh, it was it did not fit into that social enterprise uh, enterprise mode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you know, and I can say this: I'm, I'm not being biased. This is my objective opinion. I, I think you guys did an awesome job down there mm-hmm. on Cottage Grove, and it's just amazing the transformation that is taking place yes and if if I can I would just like to add again because it is an amazing transformation of what takes place and kind of proud that I was a part of of that because even today of what's going on down on 47th Street 47th and Cottage Grove even from from Drexel or with Lakeshore Drive rather Mm -hmm. all the way to King Drive um, even 10 years ago is not what you see today. And part of the reason why it has kind of transformed a, a little now is because they were, and I think um, uh, President Preckwinkle uh, was the alderman at the time, and they were sure. the Quad Community Development uh, uh, Organization. They were talking to businesses, and they were wanting to come back into the to the area because it's prime real estate, but no businesses wanted to come into the area. And they would ask and did surveys and things like that to find out why won't you bring your business to this area. And bar none, the number one reason that they said is because it's dirty. It's dirty. And the first the first thing at hand was to attract businesses is to just clean up the litter. Clean up there was a lot mm-hmm. of vacant lots. There was a lot of prime real estate and things that were uh, enticing to businesses, but it was just that, you know, it needed to be cleaned up. And part of it is is in in just small things that you can imagine that transformed Mm -hmm. the whole community. And within, I I would say, within a year's time, uh, the difference of just the aesthetic look of standing maybe down on 45th and Cottage Grove and looking all the way down north to to, – Forty-first uh, or forty-third, it, it changed. It literally began to change, and the vacant lots that began to be cleaned and things like that. And slowly but surely, uh, it's it's a it's a prime piece of real estate. You know, it's it's, mm-hmm. it's a prime piece of real estate in that community now. So I, I would right. like to think and hope that a uh, clean slate uh, had an integral part in in the. Uh, in the transformation of that community. And not only that, it's not, was not just about providing litter abatement. It was about being ambassadors, right? So it's about seeing right. that these people who came from this community, you know what, that might at some point in time people thought took from the community, here they are now wanting to give back and just given an opportunity, they can become uh, contributors to society as well. So they they be, they weren't just out there working. They were there meeting and greeting business owners, mm-hmm. developing relationships, and opening up doors. So it played a very integral yeah. part in the, the transformation of the uh, whole community. Right. That yeah. That was what I was going to mention. You know, it wasn't like they were just quote unquote doing their jobs and and not interfacing mm-hmm. with the community. They became a very integral. Well, I can't even say became. They already were. But, you you know, we have a tendency sometimes to separate ourselves from people who may have had, you know, an experience with, you know, Mm -hmm. with being an ex-offender or whatever. 
we tend to separate ourselves, but that was never anything that I observed. It was always. But but to your point, though, uh, Valerie, I know you might have think it was a, uh, uh, just a slip of words when you said they didn't become, that they, are, like they truly did become, because part of what we do provide at, at CARE, and when I mentioned about getting that mojo back, a lot of times when mm-hmm. you go through these life experiences and you go through these things, you forget who you are. Right, or okay. and, or you forget that you are worthy of the best that life has to offer, and so sometimes mm-hmm. it's just got to be planted back into you again. Sometimes it's just got to be told to you again. Not that you created for that person, but part of it is is this self actualization that wow, you know what? Look, I can be a part of something good. I can do that. And so a lot of the lot of the interns and things like that, yeah, they came in. Uh, not thinking that they were good enough, that they wouldn't be able to get an opportunity. But through the, that's kind of taking that that uh, that theory from the classroom that I was talking about, and providing it into that transitional job and that coaching on the job, where they became these ambassadors, these great ambassadors. It did not start uh, from the, from the beginning like that. It was a it was a process. Mm-hmm. And, yeah, so speaking of process, you know, you are, you know, you've started with, I guess, being a participant of the program, and then you had several positions, and now you're director of student and alumni affairs. How did that position come about? Um, so the idea is, as we consider ourselves a, a uh, or we like to emulate uh, a school. We call we call mm-hmm. our participants students. We don't call them clients. We don't call them participants mm-hmm. for the most part, but we call them students. They're adult learners. And part of our whole idea, is one of our mantras uh, at CARE is, you are worthy of the best that life has to offer. And if I'm going mm-hmm. to say that and tell you that, and that you are not your mistake, but it's something that you did that is not who you are, I've got to be able to put my money where my mouth is. And so the whole idea, once we started to grow up as an organization, right, of this idea, when, again, mm-hmm. when I was there, it was kind of back in its infancy stages of what do we want to be when we grow up. And this is kind of mm-hmm. the vision that we envisioned us being, this kind of university type of uh, atmosphere, this kind of uh, school, if you will, the school of life, professional and professional growth. And so, the idea was how do you, how can we emulate this idea of a school? And so we we created an environment of that. And, and if you think of a school it ha- or a university, it has a dean of, of students or, mm-hmm. or other school. Uh, they have a principal and things like that. And the main purpose of that is so there's consistent consistency throughout the enterprise. There's consistency in the messaging. There's consistency in the training, and that even though now there are different portals and there are different ways that we can reach out and assist people from where they are right now, we still want to make sure they all get some of this secret sauce that we think uh, provides that uh, <laughs> key, component, key component to real and lasting success. And part of that is, is uh, through the curriculum, through the coaching, 
uh, and teaching classes and things like that is is part of what my main responsibility is is, is doing. So if you look at it as like the principal of a, of a school or a dean of students or things like that, mm-hmm. it's just someone who can have that con- 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 that eye on that that level of excellence that this is what we do and to make sure we don't draw mm-hmm. we don't we don't go uh, stray too far away from that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I'm I'm listening to this. And forgive me if I sound like I'm using jargon, but I'm just thinking you're kind of the keeper of the culture, making sure that you know people continue to do stuff the Carol way. That's a that's <laughs> that's a good way of uh, keeping it. I think a lot of people uh, there would say the same thing. I, I uh, I'm kind of the historian, you know. I'm kind of the old mm-hmm. kind of way. I, I, stuck in some old kind of traditions and rituals and, <laughs> and some of those things. And sometimes, you know, through uh, people moving on and, 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 and learning and, and going into their own career path, sometimes those mm-hmm. traditions and rituals can uh, kind of get lost. Uh, um, but, yeah, that's that's pretty much a, I'm definitely proud of, of that moniker, though. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So what are some of the accomplishments that you guys, you know, have have achieved, you know, at least through the alumni program? Right. So the alumni program actually is in its, uh, let's say, this is our third year. We're in our third year. And uh, probably one of the accomplishments that I'm most proud of is establishing this alumni uh, association. It had always been a dream mm-hmm. of mine uh, because once students kind of get to a certain point, they get that year on the job, and they've had such a great experience, they've always wanted to stay in touch, wanted to give back, wanted to be some way a part of, and kind of way we were designed at the time was there was no official connection that once you made that year on the job that you are still officially uh, attached and a uh, part of, mm-hmm. of CARA. And not to mention that, again, just because you have gone through CARA and you've gotten a great experience, life does continue to happen and show up. So, again, just because that happens, you're not going to ride off into the sunset and live happily ever after. There are going to be opportunities and things and challenges in our life that I'm going to need some support. And so part of it is is to, again, this this name that we have, CARA, which actually is a Gaelic word uh, meaning friend. And so how do we use this to say, you know, are you a part-time friend? Are you a friend just once you are a student here? (laughs) Or once you become a a part of CARA and successfully have gone through uh, those things and get in place, that you're a a friend for life. And so how do we continue to to provide support of this idea of employment and, and, and uh, mm-hmm. alleviating poverty because just because you got a job, sometimes of some of our students, this might be their first job, right? It's a stepping mm-hmm. stone. So how do we continue to support? Okay, now I've got past this. Maybe I didn't have a high school diploma when I got this first entry-level position. I've got a year worth of experience on my belt. I've gone and gotten my GED. Now I'm ready. And, again, I mentioned that mojo you know, getting through employment hope. Now I'm feeling a little good about myself. Now what do I do? And so part of that alumni association now and saying, you know what, you still have a home. 
we will be there for that little kind of platform to catapult you into that next phase of your life, right? Not only that, once students have started getting jobs and getting new positions, they become hiring managers. They become uh, people who are looking for employment uh, employees as well, and they reach back into care and start bringing people around this idea, each one reach one. Uh, we also have a scholarship fund that students who have gone uh, successfully uh, to CARA and their one year of employment are eligible for, uh, I, I have a scholarship fund that's $25,000 a year, giving away at $2,500 intervals uh, for any, uh, any education that you might want uh, to enhance your employment marketability. Uh, or any training that you might need or things like that. So those are just a few of the things that uh, we use. The same thing as an alumni association mm-hmm. for any alma mater, that, alma mater that you might have, whether it be a university mm-hmm. or a high school, things like that. A way to stay connected, a way to support those who have come uh, that are now going through uh, and are now in the journey that you have passed way up through. I think uh, mm-hmm. one of the biggest biggest impacts that they have that you can see on a day-to-day basis. You know, I tell the students too that only way I ask you to thank you, if you want to thank care, is once you get your job to come back and give the, the current class five or ten minutes of your time. Speak to them and tell them the journey that you've gone through. But I can talk to them so I'm blue in the face and you know, it just becomes, oh, well, Mr. Jesse said. But when they can see a peer <laughs> of their own or somebody who has actually gone through the struggle and said, yeah, it was hard, and this is what I did to overcome it and things like that, uh, that inspires them. Uh, mm-hmm. So uh, we're really proud. I know it still is in its infancy stage. Uh, we've had uh, two annual picnics thus far. We've uh, had a couple of other uh, uh, staple events that we had. So we're just now kind of growing off of off of that, uh, but it's, it's starting to stabilize and become a uh, a real strong contributor to care. No, yeah, that's excellent. And you know, I, I think about you know um, different organizations that do this work, and I also think about the Second Chance Act program. And you know, when we look at the milestones, you know, that the state and federal government tend to give us, you know, you, you get X number of points for keeping people on the job thirty days then 60 mm-hmm. days, then 90 days. But, you know, I never once in your vocabulary heard you say 30, 60, or 90 days. You know, for you, it sounds like the floor is one year. And with this alumni one year. program, <clears throat> yeah, with, with the alumni program kicking in, it seems like you're going to be able to stretch that, you know, and it sounds to me like people are doing better than one year anyway. But it sounds mm-hmm. to me like you're going to be able to stretch it even Further, are, are you finding that job retention is is better now that you have the alumni program well, in place? So, uh, not to confuse anybody, so our one year is from uh, what we consider you graduate from CARA is mm-hmm. that's because we provide that one year worth of retention services. So while I you're on you. that job for a year, we provide that supportive services that anything that can go wrong and possibly we're there to support you. Not to mention that we have relationships with these employment partners. So when something does go awry, 
You don't wait till it's at the point where you have actually lost your jobs. There's a meeting between the, the employee, the management, and the, what we call the IDS, the Individual Development Specialist. That's what every student gets. And we kind of figure out, okay, what's the challenge? What's going wrong? How can we get back on track? And so, again, we would like to be able to provide that those retention services for two years, three years, five years up, but we understand that those are those are resources and finances that go along with that. So um, maybe at some point in the future, we might be able to uh, extend that retention services further than a year. But right now, it's mm-hmm. just from a year that retention services stops at that year. And again, part of mm-hmm. what the Alumni Association does is it does not just cut off all connection and all services again. We have the Alumni Association through events to be able to stay connected, to be able to uh, stay plugged in, uh, and that that sort uh, of kind of thing as well. Okay, excellent. All righty, I just want to remind folks that we have Jesse Terrible, the Director of Student and Alumni Affairs at CARA here. He's really giving us some great information, and we will not always have this opportunity. Jesse is a very busy man and doesn't – I can't say he doesn't get out much, but when he when he's out, he's working. Uh, <laughs> right. so, so he's not going to have time to do this kind of thing very often. I had – it took us, what, 90 days to get to this point. So, you guys, you better call in if you have some questions because you're not going to get this opportunity. Um, unless you run up in the street. I wish I was as busy as you say. It makes it sound like I have a social life. (laughs) (laughs) This is one busy guy. So I'm telling you guys, call in 347-884-8121. If you don't do anything else but tell Jesse how good a job he and Kara are doing, um, I, I think that would be great, and if not, uh, we will continue with the show. I'm, I'm learning a lot if nobody else is, and I'm sure anybody who is listening is also learning a lot. So I, I guess another question, employers always want to know, well, what's in it for me? You know, Because you're typically dealing with people that are, you know, you know like you said, they, they may have challenges, may not feel that they'll ever work again or whatever, and sometimes this can present a challenge in the workplace. So why would an employer want to hire a CARELA graduate? What are some of the advantages? Uh, So I can give you some of the uh, feedback that we get from our uh, employment partners. One of the things that you're getting from a a CARELA student is you're getting a committed worker. One, you're getting someone Mm -hmm. who is saying, you know what, I will commit to staying on this job for at least minimally one year. Turnover in the mm-hmm. uh, in the workplace uh, is is the number one reason why companies are bleeding money. You know, it's turnover mm-hmm. rate. We ask, and even our curriculum, the way we design a curriculum, we, it's not because we think we're brilliant. We say, okay, how about we teach this? We ask employment partners, what do you have or find challenging with your employees? And the number one thing that every last one of them has said, bar none, is attendance and absenteeism. You know, people just wow. won't come to work. So if, in the end, in some cases, some employment partners have said, you know what, 
we really don't care if they don't have the full skill set to do the job. If they come to work, we will teach them. So part of the number one thing is what can they uh, uh, reasons why they they would want to care a student is they're going to get a, comp- a committed uh, committed employee. Mm-hmm one who is committed to mm-hmm. coming to work and giving 100%. And if you want to follow some care uh, lingo, they, they're, we're going to come, we're going to show up and we're going to show out. And because part <laughs> of that is, is that culture that we create, that they understand that their opportunity is not just for them. They have a responsibility to go open up doors for others who are coming behind them because the reason they have an opportunity is because someone opened up the door uh, for them. Um, but not to mention mm-hmm. just on those things, they have been given uh, that we have these competencies and these skill sets that uh, we uh, concentrate on, uh, whether it be conflict management, team building, uh, professionalism, uh, uh, and communication. Those are the kind of uh, courses and the curriculum that we teach. So once they get on the job, they're not so out of water or out of place. They know how to conduct mm-hmm. themselves in certain situations. They're almost bred, for lack of a better term, they're almost there and ready to to be able to fit in and to work at a high level. That 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 little mm-hmm. rate, that time when you first start a new job and that transitional period before you can start really hitting the ground running, it's very small mm-hmm. between care students, and a lot of times. Uh, it's a good thing to have, but sometimes they run into difficult because when they get there, they outwork some of the people that have been there for years, and they find mm-hmm. a little rift between that, <laughs> and they start they start moving up rapidly. And the first thing mm-hmm. the employers say, you know what, send me another one of those. Send me another one of those Angelos or send me another one of those uh, Josephs or things like that. And so those are kind of the things that, that that theory and those things that we do in the classroom mm-hmm. that transcend past the classroom uh, to uh, uh, to the workplace. And a lot of times those are those social and emotional learning type things. They're not just those hard skills. Those are those soft mm-hmm. skills. And if you really ask me, I believe nowadays the soft skills are becoming those hard skills. You know, right. and so... Uh, through our curriculum, even in our curriculum, you know, we think it's not just all about the, the uh, professional development. We're very big on personal development as well. And so we do, uh, I, we do classes on love and forgiveness and things like that because it's, you know, imagine people who have gone through some of these life experiences, no matter what, well, some of it is traumatic stress disorder. Sometimes you go through these mm-hmm. situations and, and you're just traumatized. And at some point in time, right. you begin to, to, to say, F it, forget it. I, I give up. I don't <laughs> care. I don't care about you or nothing else because when I care about something, I hurt too much. And so we begin to start numbing ourselves with all kind of other negative things, and we get to a point to start being the very thing that we were created to be, and that's a human being. But with being a mm-hmm. human being, we respond to stimuli. We feel, and so now once you're starting to get back and being a healthier human being, now you got to connect those nerve endings so they're firing in the right direction. You know, if you see a light pole or electricity wire that just kind of came loose on a storm and it's just all around the street just hanging and, and wiggling all over the place, <laughs> it still has power. 
still has power, but it's all over because it's not connected. And so when human beings, when we come out of these traumatized situations, whether it's domestic violence or being incarcerated for periods of time or histories of substance abuse or lack of education or just being in the neighborhoods and environment, something that we come from, or maybe it could even be that, you know what, I've had a job for 20 years and my company decides to lay me off. And that's how I identified myself with my job. And I had a nice place and all my friends came over my house for barbecues and they looked up to me and all of a sudden I don't have any of that anymore. Sometimes that takes away who your identity is and your self-esteem. Maybe you're middle-aged and the husband decides to leave the family or the woman decides that I've identified myself as this mother or this father and the kids maybe have gone out of the house and now I'm left alone. You know, all of those sat Mm -hmm. and and just suck the energy and sometimes the life out of some people. And so uh, those things, when you talk about social and emotional learning, you know, how do you get them to start connecting and caring again? Because if you cannot care for another human being, then there's no way possibly you can care about a job or another employer mm-hmm. or anything like that. So part of this whole idea that we are really have invested heavily in is that how about we have this holistic idea of so uh, professional and personal development, and we believe in that wholeheartedly. That's, that's the whole holistic approach that we take uh, with all of our training and coaching. Mm-hmm. Well, so you've been at this for 15 years. What are some of the lessons that you've learned along the way? I've learned, uh, well, to put it in cliche, that don't nothing change but the faces. Uh, The stories (laughs) stay the same. Human beings are human beings. Uh, There's nothing you can tell me that I've not heard before. A lot of times we kind of think that I'm wearing this X on my forehead or I've got this cloud of bad luck or that I'm cursed or something because we think we're the only ones going through it, and so we tend to suffer through it alone. Uh, but when you find out and begin to open up, open up and share uh, your experiences with others and find out, you know what, there's some powerful people out there that I can learn from their experiences, and not to mention I can help somebody through my experiences, uh, that's where you start empowering yourselves and you, you think of yourselves as some outside of yourselves outside of yourself. Mm-hmm. So if, if you ask one of the, one of those, that, that's, that's the main one. You know, life don't discriminate. Don't nothing change with the uh, faces. Yes, yes, yes. And then, you know, I'm wondering how can people enroll in the CARE program? I mean, this sounds very interesting, and I'm sure there's someone who's listening right now. If this is not a program for you, you probably know someone who could benefit. So, Jesse, if you can tell us how people can enroll in the program and what their requirements are. Well, uh, if you're interested, uh, we have a, like if you're looking at our service delivery model, there is a recruitment team. They do an astounding, mm-hmm. astounding job at uh, tapping into referral sources and other uh, type of uh, resources to provide individuals to come into uh, our enterprise. But we would like to start there as the recruit at the recruitment uh, uh, stage, and that way, through their screening, they can find out which model best fits you and your needs as well. 
And again, all mm-hmm. of this is beginning and starts with developing relationships and getting to know the individual themselves. So uh, you can call area code 312-798-3300 and ask to be uh, transferred to the recruitment team, and they'll transfer you to any one of our three recruiters, and they can get the mm-hmm. process started there. Well, and that's perfect timing. On that note, it is 3 o'clock, <laughs> And we have come to the end of our show. Is there one final note that you want to share with the listening audience before we go and then also remind people how they can get in touch with you? They may have other questions, too. They may want to try this at home and we want to pick your brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, like I mentioned, if you are interested or if you just have some other, some more questions you can uh, would like answered, uh, you can call that number. Uh, 312-798-3300. Also, if you happen to be an employer uh, and are looking for employees, uh, please either go on our website, which is www.carachicago.org, and also there's a link in there where potential employers, if you're interested in how you get uh, uh, involved in in, in becoming an employment partner, we would love to... uh, to develop a relationship. Same with volunteerism. If you're looking to volunteer, uh, we could not do a lot of the work we do without a strong volunteer base. And not to mention uh, any type of uh, philanthropy or or uh, contributions that you're just looking to support an organization that's truly making a difference out in the community that you live in. All of those and uh, you can access through our website, www.carachicago.org. That was awesome. And, and I thank you so much for being a guest, Jesse. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I want to thank our listening. <laughs> yeah, I want to thank our listening audience, too. You know, I know you didn't call in, but I, I know that there are several of you who are listening and for whatever reason didn't want to make your presence known through chatting or calling it. I want to let you know that we definitely appreciate you too. Um, if you have any questions, again, um, you can contact Jesse, contact me. He gave you his contact number, and I also included a slide you know, with his contact number too, just in case. So um, we've come to the end of the show. And we're going to have to go now, and the recording will be available for download within about an hour. And make sure you tune in next week. Our guest is going to be Tom Fechtman. He's the Senior Program Officer at the Community Memorial Foundation. So until then, you take care. Now you take care too, Jesse. All right. Thanks a lot. Make it a great day. All right. You too.